and welcome to What in Tarnation, Tarnation Blog's Hot Take Podcast. On this episode, we're previewing the Holiday Bowl against Oregon and recapping UNC basketball's win against Michigan. I'm Tanya Anderson, and with me are Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. Hi guys, how's it going? Hi, happy holidays everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, we're about halfway through. Yeah. This uh, podcast is coming to you in the absolute nothing period between Christmas and New Year's when no one can reasonably be expected to do anything productive. Yeah. It's, um, but then there's us who we get to cover the holiday bowl and pretty soon a basketball game and got a little something going on. But I mean, for the most part, outside of that, definitely a nice little period of nothingness. I don't even know what day it is anymore. <laughs> truly. That's what I was that's what I was gonna say. It's like this is the period where I'm like, what what what's the date? Like just point me to New Year's Day. Like I'm good after that. <laughs> it is unknowable at this stage. Uh but we will have to know what day it is tomorrow because UNC takes on Oregon in the Holiday Bowl from Petco Park in San Diego. Uh, it's going to be a weird one, I think. The Tar Heels are like 14-point underdogs in this one. Not exactly hard to see why. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the defense plays with um, a lot of people hitting the transfer portal earlier. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, on the offensive side of the ball with uh, sort of being in a weird transition period from the old to the new. So, yeah, I agree. And so the only thing that I'll say is, since this is our Hot Takes podcast, is with with the departures that we've had, especially in the secondary, can it be worse See, you would say no, but nothing surprises me anymore. So it's, I feel like it's possible. And, 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 and I said, I'm not trying to roast anyone. I'm just saying, like, can you, can you get worse for production from, from that unit? Uh, I realize that we're going up against, you know, Bo Nix and, and everything, and, and it's an uphill battle anyway, but I don't know. Like, it's, you know, the at least for me, the curiosity on what's going to happen from that unit is kind of um, shielded a bit by curiosity from other people, you know, kind of stepping up and playing kind of thing. So that that's at least where I'm at. And you can call me the perpetual optimist if you want, but that's that's where I'm at with that. I fear that that curiosity is the same curiosity that backs up traffic when there's a car accident on the side of the highway, <laughs> and people are like, I shouldn't look, but I must. <laughs> but, okay, but to be fair, most people, and we'll call that, we call that rubbernecking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least they might be in a position to make a play. Whereas, <laughs> whereas like we're snapping our necks looking and, you know, we're right. We're kind of right there as opposed to snapping our, our necks and looking and they're 50 yards down the field kind of thing. <laughs> I, I feel like this will be a game of 
virtually no expectations. At least that's the way I look at it, where you're basically looking at the people that transferred and you're like, okay, this is going to go badly. But I mean, there's also the possibility that the people that step in, they will do well. But if they don't, it's fine because you expected it to go badly. Um, And yeah, like it's not a dig at anybody, but at the same time, it's just like that the players stepping in, they didn't get as many snaps as the starters that left, obviously. So it just creates a funky little problem. And I know Oregon's going to be missing some players too, but the thing is UNC really couldn't have afforded to lose anybody, anybody for this game. (laughs) Not one soul. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's that. I'm also kind of sick of the bowl game experience with UNC football. Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, we made a bowl, and oh, it's bad yeah. every time. Um, so that part kind of sucks. Like, I don't have any optimism, and it's not even like it is not a dig on the people who are going to be starting as to, like, speaking on their talent. For me, it's just, you know, asking them to step in right now. Um, I I don't feel like that's a recipe for like a cohesive unit. Um, I guess it doesn't have to be, but Oregon's Oregon has a really good offense and we had an abundance of turnover on defense. And I feel like that is a very dangerous combination. Right. No, I definitely agree with that, too. But again, I point back to our I don't even have the stats in front of me, but our everybody knows our at least our secondary and at times our front seven have been have left much to be desired on that front. So, you know, just from a perspective of getting some fresh people involved kind of thing, let's see what happens. Like, you never know. Maybe it'll be a. Tony Grimes during the Orange Bowl kind of experience where they're like, oh, hey, this guy's supposed to be in high school. And, you know, he's out here, um, you know, covering this this guy kind of thing. I don't know. I'm I'm just very curious to see because, again, at times it kind of seemed like we really didn't have a secondary. Um, So and that's where I'm basing like my. Um, that's, that's where I'm basing my, my thing from, like, you you can't get worse from no secondary, which, which is what it appeared that we had at times, you know, last season. So, Hey, if we go out there, um, you know, and Oregon, you know, blitzes us and, and, um, blasts us for five or six big plays, you know, throughout the game, that's what we're used to. Okay. That's more (laughs) than UNC norm kind of thing but if they don't then it's like okay maybe we've got something um that we can kind of latch on to going into next season and also um a lot of the departures that we had were people that played right yeah so let's let's look at this you know re- that these recruiting classes that we've had coming in let's look at these heralded heralded uh defensive players coming in um, I, I get it. You don't want them stepping in here for this game, but this is it's a ball game, sure. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a glorified practice against a football brand. So let's see. Let's see what they can actually do. 
I will grant you that it is a good time, as good of time as any, to uh, see what you have. Uh, I guess to play pessimistic devil's advocate, um, these people were behind the people that you feel like won't be missed on the death chart. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna so we're just gonna assume that that was a UNC basketball thing. Like you know, we're just playing these guys because they were here always. <laughs> and they came. <laughs> so, we will hope. We will. We will pray to the baby Jesus in the manger that that is uh, that is the case. And the only reason I say that is because what were we told about Drake May and Jacoby Criswell coming into the season? That it was an actual competition. Do you actually believe that now? No, it wasn't. Like, I knew the whole time it wasn't because we've seen Chriswell get snaps during his time at UNC. And I know Mac was watching the same thing that we were watching. I'm just like, why were you entertaining this? Like, let's be honest. Why were you entertaining this? Because it was Drake's first game and I'm watching him. I'm like, this wasn't a contest. Not at all. I... I, I respect trying to give upperclassmen their um, opportunity, but realistically, it's just like Drake was far, 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 far more talented than Chris Will. Right. So, and so using that as an example, so I believe, firmly believe that uh, we've got to get into the, if we're going to be successful, we've got to get into this thing. Uh, and remember, we said a couple of podcasts back. Uh, ago, or I did, that um, this will allow us to kind of see whether it's coaching or development or the, you know, talent evaluation kind of thing. We'll be able to see, not this game specifically, but you'll be able to get a hint of it at least heading into next season on what the failures were or where the drops were um, in that pyramid there. And I really, really hope that it was a less respect to upperclassmen and seniors kind of thing, which I'm not knocking. But again, like I go, I go back to basketball. We kind of did, you know, some of those things um, in the past, obviously, but no, I'm super interested in seeing um, some of the more, so the other freshmen step up and, and let's see where they have, if it's more of the same, then we can say, okay, cool. Um, this is, this was not an individual thing. It was a, program-wide thing we've got the you know they need to also make some more changes there kind of thing but yeah let's see we know the names that should be on the chopping block should things <laughs> let's just say that i don't feel like mac brown finished what he had i mean really what it was even started before this bowl game wasn't even his doing phil longa left by himself so mac's going to have to take a look at what's going on with different positions and see what he can figure out because we at least know one that isn't working very well at all. Do we do we actually know that he left by uh, on his own though? We don't. As far as the public knowledge goes, he left on his own, but I bet anything that there was a conversation had that led to it. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet one of my paychecks that that was a, <laughs> that it was a, you know, because you know how Mac is, right? Mac, yeah. Mac is a, um, he's a, a staff kind of guy, right? Like it, it, there was no reason to 
to hang longer out there to dry kind of thing, right? Especially considering what he had done for UNC. But I'd be willing to bet that it was a need to weave, to, you know, um, so that it looks like you know you left on your own kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. so that we can so that we can find a, a match that that we think works for us kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of the changes last year took place after the bowl game. So um, stay tuned, I guess. Um, I will not let this team hurt me anymore. So I have no expectations. And that's how I choose to live my life now. That's fair. I don't expect them to win this game. and I'll still let them hurt me. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, see, this is how they're going to hurt me. <laughs> yeah, Even I, if I say they won't hurt me, this game is going to go like past midnight, and I'm just going to be irrationally angry that I'm having to like stay awake and <sighs> watch it. So, um, at least have the courtesy to lose at like 4 p.m. That's fair. Oh, can I can I ask you guys something? Um, when was the last time either one of you ate at Golden Corral? I saw that, and I I'm ready to be mad about it because the fact that it was not. I mean, how did NC State get Bojangles and we got Golden Corral? I just. I don't know. I used to know that guy, or at least used to talk to him, and I know that it's about, like, trolling or whatever. He kind of teeters between uh, trying to be legitimate and trolling, and then he gets his feelings hurt when people, you know, don't like what he has to put out. But I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. And then, you know, you have the – I scroll through looking at the comments under it, and they're like, oh, well um, – I forgot what the one state fan said. And I was like, you can't call UNC football fans like snobby and then say they eat at Golden Corral. Those two things are, are don't make sense. But also, like, tell me you put no effort into this. That's pretty much all of his list, yes. Because that just doesn't, that make, like, you could have gone a hundred directions and I would have been like, fair, okay, sure. But you went with the one that I was just like, you you drew a name and we're like yeah okay sure i feel like i'm in the dark what what was this it was like a list that came out on twitter earlier and it was like um each school's most popular res- restaurant chain oh. or something and unc was golden corral no it was um, bojangles it was, it was, is right there cookout is right there yeah. it was it was Big Game Boomer, and he's oh. an account that he, – he was actually on, like, WRL Sports Fan with Joe and Lauren and them. They were talking to him. Yeah, I mean, props to him. He gets a lot of engagement, um, you know. But, again, like I said, he's got, you know, like, really, really thin skin. Um, and he – it's, like, equal parts I want to be serious, equal parts I want to troll people. And then when people, like, disagree with what he's saying and his list – um, you know, then he gets his feelings hurt kind of thing. And yeah, so that, that was part of that deal. But I'm going, dude, you literally had six other restaurants you could have chosen for UNC. And, you know, fine. If you want to give NC State Bojangles, that's cool. But NC State doesn't have the advertising or marketing campaigns with Bojangles that UNC does. Like, so please tell me that you actually don't know anything about what you're doing. 
uh, than that. And then it was it was pretty cool to see people uh, commenting under the post with you know pictures of like old um, ticket stubs with Bojangles on it and UNC and you know the biscuit deal and everything else. I'm like, bro, please let's be serious. The only thing I'm gonna say is that Golden Crowd's for old people. Yeah, if you eat dinner after 4 p.m., you probably don't eat a golden crown. I'm just going to yeah. throw that out there. Um, but, yeah, I I was I saw that, and I was – I was it, it was low effort is, is all that I can say. I've seen a lot of low effort content from him, so I've mostly ignored it. I mean, I, he makes these maps all the time, and I'm just – I just roll my eyes. I'm just like, where like, does this data come from? If you are doing it to, like – attempt to be funny or whatever that's fine but i mean don't attempt to make it serious because it's just fundamentally not it's not serious it's not serious yeah it, and, th- and then that's the issue is never one or the other right it's yeah. like you put out this listen, it's like oh you're trying to be funny it's like no i was actually being serious like you can't be serious like what <laughs> Pick a lane, stay in the lane. Either you're trolling fan bases or you're serious. And um, whichever one is fine. I don't care. But uh, you don't get to be serious and say that it's Golden Corral is is my point. Um, Well, moving on to slightly happier results than uh, what we think will happen tomorrow night. UNC did beat Michigan in the Jumpman Invitational from Charlotte. It was their first quad one win of the season. Um, Ohio State was the quad one win. Michigan, I want to say, was quad two. Oh, well, that makes sense because Michigan is is weird. Yeah, they're they're a little down bad right now. Yeah. Um, the The best part of that game to me was Armando Baycott eating. Hunter Dickinson's lunch once <laughs> again because I am tired of that dude. I live for Armando Baycott showing that dude up now. Like the the, the way that he acted in that game alone, yeah. To say nothing of the past, yeah. Uh, made made it just Chef's kiss beautiful. Yeah, he's had it in his head for a while that he's one of the best bigs in the country, and I'm not saying that he's not. I just don't think that he is up nearly as high on that list as he thinks he is. Uh, I'll say that. What? I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it really shows when he goes up against Baycott. He cannot handle him. Um, I, I'm... I can be corrected if I'm wrong. I want to say that he scored maybe six points on Baycott. Maybe. Um, it might have even been more like four, but I'm pretty sure it was six. But he had the hardest time scoring on Baycott. He had the hardest time defending Baycott. Baycott was getting whatever he wanted. Um, he even, I think, hit a little fadeaway at some point, and I laughed quite a bit. Um it was just, it was very sun go sit down somewhere type basketball, and I was here for it. And I didn't even go so far as to say as that four of the six were before they actually started calling fouls like they should have been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the refs were really bad in that game. I mean, if you want to 
get very specific with that, the whole um, technical foul spree that happened where um, Dickinson tried to uh, write checks that his behind could not cash um, and started all kinds of trouble with Caleb. Mm-hmm. And somehow that ended up being uh, two technical fouls each, which I, I'm willing to argue um, all day and twice on Sunday was ridiculous because all you had to do was go to the monitor and see where that started and who was just defending themselves, defending their teammates, etc. Um, but that was, I feel like, where they really sort of lost control of things a bit. Yeah. And um, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good look, but I think it was an even worse look that it got there because, I mean, what are you doing, my guy? What are you doing? And, like, of all the things that we've, for all the things we've said about Caleb, the one thing I will say is that I would not want to mess with him. Like, he he's a little scary, and I I think he was legitimately about to just take Hunter out there on the court. Um, but yeah, that, that technical situation was messy. I feel like they let Dickinson off easy. Uh, they really let Michigan in general off easy because if I remember right, Love and Baycott both got technicals too. And I was just like, what did Baycott even do? He was trying to break it up, but it was lazy. It was very lazy. It was very we just want to move on with our lives type stuff. They didn't want to deal with Juwan Howard because he's been out of pocket this season, never not out of pocket. So they're just like. Make it even and let's let's move on. But yeah. that's. Yeah. Well, and the I guess like the biggest thing that I had was it was too early in the game to even do that. What was it like five minutes into the game and we yeah. were there? Yeah. It was like. You know, what's Michigan doing? Like emulating Juwan Howard? Like, like Yeah. What? Like I don't I don't know. But I was yeah, it was easily five minutes in and I was like, this is a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um I will say I thought it was obviously Baycott getting the best of Dickinson was fun, but um Leaky Black almost had a double double. Um, Caleb and RJ were a little more efficient than we've seen them in some of these other games. So that I thought that was good. Um, one thing that definitely was a little, uh, less than desirable was just how little Hubert Davis got out of the bench. Yeah. Um, which I feel like will be on my tombstone after this year, just for how often we're probably going to repeat it. But we we lived through the Iron Five situation last year and squeaked by by the skin of our teeth. Um, I don't think that's a repeatable <laughs> thing. Okay, so yeah, and and to be fair, I don't think it's. I think it's like equal parts from Huber is equal parts like uh you want to go with the known and like you're scared to go with the unknown kind of thing. 
And so, like, you put the onus on the Iron 5, right, or the Iron 4, plus Pete Nance, um, how they're performing will kind of dictate on... Uh, <laughs> we did not have to single that man out like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I'm just saying, y'all know he is... I'm, I know, but he is not the original Iron Five. That's all. That's all I was saying. Like sure, it was, the, it's the four plus Pete. I'm not sorry, Pete. I'm not dogging you whatsoever. But, I'm, but what they're, but what they do is going to kind of what they do on the court and how they're playing is going to dictate, for better or for worse, what Hubert does with that bench, right? So you know, I can't exactly fault him for. It's a tight game. Your starters aren't really, you know. Um, Performing the way you want them to, to perform, so you kind of leave them out there to see if they can like create a gap, so you can go to your bench kind of thing. You know that that was something that maybe I guess I could have you know seen last year, last season. Kind of you, know, you would have expected that this season because you do have a deeper bench going in. I don't know. Um, you would expect something like that to have changed, but we're in an ACC play. Like you don't get, you're not going to get many opportunities to experiment. You know, with those lineups and putting people in, um, as you did with the uh, non-conference schedule. Also, let's please note that UNC did not have the easiest non-conference schedule either. They right. did, for sure. So, yeah, I, I still think it, and I guess because you guys would call me out on that, we'll call it. So the Iron Five, the new Iron Five at least. Uh, we'll have to make a new, a new T-shirt. In the R four. It was just funny to me. It was like those guys and, and the other ones. Uh, but though the starters will dictate what happens with the bench. So I think that you know if you want to see production from the bench or you want to see Hebert kind of play the bench kind of thing uh, a little more uh, frequently or, or longer, it's going to have to come. Their starters are going to have to allow that. Yeah, and so. One thing I did want to point out, though, and this kind of is in defense of <laughs> the Iron Four case, um, <laughs> Pete Nance was negative 13 in plus minus in this one. Um, even more interesting is that Leakey was negative seven, but I mean, I, I think we all can agree that like he probably helped a little more than he hurt. Um, he had a strange game. He had a strange game. Like, his his output numbers... Looked better than some games, but I feel like um, his defensive stats probably weren't as good. Yeah, uh, because like Jet Howard was lighting him up. Yeah, um, but but Jet Howard's a really good shooter, so yeah. Um, there's that, but I think that that probably uh, has a little something to do with why, because like nine points and ten rebounds. It's pretty good for Leaky. That's a good game. Um, but I, I think it has more to do with the fact that he was he was kind of uh, struggling to contain Howard. Yeah, for sure. Um, the big overarching thing that I wanted to point out in all of that is, though the bench didn't score much, they were all in the positives when they were in the game, which I th- thought was interesting. So they're at least doing something to not – have the team drown when they're in there, but you definitely need them to put out some type of scoring production because I mean, yes, like maintaining is great so that you could give the starters some rest. They go back in and things aren't a disaster, but you still 
are going to run into teams that will take advantage of your bench because they actually have players that can score. And when you have that kind of discrepancy, it's it's just it'll end badly more than it won't. Right. And that and so that plus minus though, that's an after game kind of statistical category, right? Yeah. That's not really something that uh, when you're in the game for however many minutes spurts that you're uh, putting the bench in or, or subbing in, Hubert probably can't get a pretty good gauge of what's going on. All he's probably thinking is, okay, cool. Um, we've either maintained or we're not really um, – We've either maintained or we're not moving, you know, moving forward kind of thing. So let's put our starters back in. And then afterwards, you know, you kind of get, like you like you said, you get to the uh, plus or minus. Like, oh, well, they weren't as bad as we actually thought they were. But again, they kind of, that's kind of dictated by whether or not you're in a super close game, um, you know, when, when you're playing. So again, I go back to saying that um, our starters, for better or for worse, especially the way it started last season, that's just going to be a running theme. You know, Roy had his things. Hubert's going to have his things. And I just think that our starters are going – our starters themselves are going to dictate how much of the bench gets used for our games. And we'll, I think we'll be able to see that going through ACC play. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I definitely believe that. I think my concern just is sort of what you alluded to where it's like – Getting them experience early on is what makes them better players in the depths of conference play. And I worry that without giving them those opportunities more often early on, that when it when push comes to shove later, they don't have sort of like the confidence to take the big shot or whatever is, is needed from them in that moment. Um, Hopefully that's not the case. And I completely understand that like the game did tighten up late and that's probably what led to more of that than um, it would have been if, if Carolina had been able to put it away. But um, I just think that, this group has, for better or worse, uh, shown us that they're going to play teams a little closer than maybe we imagined coming into this season. And if that's the case, then I worry that the bench is just going to be like the forgotten few or whatever. And you can't sustainably get to another appearance in the national championship. I know they did it last year, but that I feel like that was lightning in a bottle and not something that's repeatable. You're going to need Seth Trimble. You're going to need Puff Johnson. You're going to need Tyler Nickel. And you want them to have sort of like the reps under their belt to come in in those big situations and not sort of like, wilt like little freshmen i mean obviously puffs not but you know what i mean Um, yeah so yeah i mean so a couple things there so number one i'll say that i think we have um a few players on our team that aren't afraid to take the big shots and actually make them Uh Um, so (laughs) so we're we're not lacking in that department um but the other one is i guess i kind of exclude seth trimble from all of this because 
there's no excuse not to utilize him. He yeah, um, he has to play. Like that's yeah. that just has to happen because it, it if either RJ or Caleb or both are on the bench, like he just has to be in there like that full stop. He because Puff can't really run point guard like that. And I know that Seth is more of a facilitator than a shooter. Yeah. So his his points, even when he does get considerable minutes, are probably not going to light up the box score or anything. Um, but yeah, I just I worry that it's it's falling into a bad habit. Um, fully willing to be wrong on that as we get into conference play, but it is a pattern that is concerning. To me. I think it it's a really tough situation for Hubert Davis to be in because on one hand, he wants to actually like, you know, get those bench players experience and things like that. On another hand, he we all, yeah, he wants to win. He knows we want him to win. Like everybody's expectation is that he wins these games and, Unfortunately, right now, the best path to that is him shortening the bench. And the only way that that really changes is one of those bench players shows up big in practice and gets on the court and repeats that and earns more minutes as we get closer to March. Well, and to Tanya's point, I don't even think it matters about what happens in practice. I think it matters about what happens in games. Yeah. Because because Hubert will insert – he'll put Seth – let me exclude Seth because Seth's not even – that shouldn't even be a uh, – that shouldn't even that shouldn't even be a thing that you have to look at. Uh, but you know, putting a puff in or a Tyler, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the bench is concerned, for me, it would go Seth, Tyler, and then Puff. Like I know what Puff brings, but we have seen flashes of what Tyler Nickel can bring, right? And the man can score. Um, but when you put him in and he doesn't score, what are you supposed to do kind of thing? And so um, I definitely agree with uh, with Tanya. I would love for you to be wrong, too. I don't think you're wrong. But the only thing that I, I'd have to say is for you to be wrong, it would have to be either the starter step up kind of and create a gap where we have some um, things to play with there or some time to play with there, some points to play with there, or – Whenever uh, the bench players actually do get in, they kind of score. Kind of like, you know, they did against um, the Citadel. Yeah. I just worry that there aren't too many Citadel-type games left on yeah. on the schedule. I but we do play that. Louisville. We do play Louisville. So. <laughs> I was going to say, the ACC is kind of rough right now. I feel like... I'm, I'm hoping. I shouldn't say that. I feel like I hope that there will be some opportunities to get the bench out there more, even if they aren't. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think. What I want most most of all, more than anything, is um, I'm completely blank. Ver- I'm completely blanking on what game it happened in now because time is a flat circle. But um, the game where. Caleb was struggling, and Hubert put Seth in early on for, like, a considerable stretch in the first half and was basically just like, you are going to sit here and watch him 
do your job. That is what I want to see more of um, because we know those games are going to happen. And I don't want it to be a situation where we don't go to the guy who seems to be like a more pure point guard in those situations that can that can kind of like if nothing else it it triggers the the anger response to to do better yeah and that's what we said all last season at least i know i did like if caleb is coming out and he's not playing well and we well documented to it uh, at this point if he is not playing well, not only does it not help the team, but it's a detriment to the team, right? Whether it's run outs or whatever. Like how many of these um, cross half court, you know, hawk up a shot kind of things or run to the basket and completely miss it kind of thing leads to a run out and easy points on the other end, which, I, you know, we consider those turnovers. Thank you, Coach Davis, for acknowledging us. Um, but <laughs> it's <laughs> – that's what we that's what we preached all last season kind of thing, and he's got the personnel to be able to do that now. And as you know, and it comes from a place of love, right? If you're not if Caleb is not playing well, usually that means that we're not playing well. So sit him, let Seth come in and you know contribute and let Caleb sit and kind of gather his thoughts or whatever, get angry if you want to call it that, cool, whatever, and then come out and do his own thing. But yeah, no, that that was you know, what I said all last season, if he's not playing well, he's not playing well, sit him and let something else come about um, until you can put him back in the game and see what he's got. Like, you know, if again, like there weren't many times last season, if he came out and not just flat, but if he was just playing not very well, that he was able to turn it around or we were able to turn it around and actually win. And Seth is a really good foil for Caleb because I feel like what Seth does really well is not necessarily what Caleb does really well. And what Caleb does really well is not necessarily what Seth does really well. So it, if anything, if a team has prepared for good Caleb, but bad Caleb shows up, Seth is a completely different look for them. And I think that that can make a big difference when Maybe it's just not happening for Caleb in that half or that game or whatever it may be. We know uh, more often than not, as Caleb goes, so will they go. But um, I just think it's important while you have someone like Seth uh, on the team who is very capable that you go to it uh, when you can. Yeah, absolutely. Shall we move on to the pit game? We shall. So, UNC plays pit this Friday. Um, right now, that counts as a quad one win should UNC pull it off. Um, it's kind of a fringe situation because Pitt's ranked 70th. And if I remember correctly, they can rank as low as 75 and it still counts for UNC. Um, right now, Pitt is 2-0 and in ACC play, though they have losses against West Virginia, Michigan, VCU, and Vanderbilt. Um, the, the Vanderbilt one makes me raise my eyebrow the most probably. 
No offense to Stackhouse is still there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this should be an interesting game. UNC hasn't won a road game yet. So oh. this is going to be a <laughs> rather important one from that perspective. Shout out for the College of Charleston win, though. Yeah. There's that one. Even though I know that was at home, but still. I mean, that ended up being a more important win than we realized at the time. We were just... Yeah, because they, yeah, they were... I mean, so they were the, they were the first team out of the uh, AP Top 25. Yeah. Their only loss this year is the UNC. I mean, look... We have to start giving respect to some of these mid-major teams. <laughs> we see the name and we're just like, y'all aren't nothing. And then they almost end up in the top 25 and we're like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and they beat Virginia Tech, which we know how that went. So Yeah. We couldn't even do that. Not great. <laughs> but. Um, yeah. I mean, these games always scare me a little because it's like the first game after an extended break coming off a game where you kind of got a little high on yourself against Michigan like it feels trappy to me why did you have to remind us of that (laughs) (laughs) I mean I remember um was it New Year's Eve against Georgia Tech several years ago. They went down to Atlanta and just got the snot smacked out of them. Oh, is that the 0-2 start? Um, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I, think we, it, I think I it might we were, have been. I know we were down bad to start the ACC, um, play, the ACC that season. So so that's that's just what I... I worry about, I mean, hopefully not, hopefully not, um, but road games right before New Year's, right after Christmas, um, I feel like it's a precarious situation more often than not. Um, Pitt is not the easiest road environment to play in, for sure. When they show up. <laughs> when they show up. Yes. Um I still do not believe in Jeff Cable. Um, I'm, I guess I'll have to eat my crow next week um, if it goes badly. But um, I haven't I haven't seen a lot to to make me think that I should feel some kind of way about him. But uh, I guess we'll see. Hopefully, they keep the train running. Um, what are they sitting on, like? Four game winning streak? Five? Um, UNC is right now on a four game winning streak. Pitt is on a three game winning streak. Okay. Yeah. Four game winning streak. Um, and I mean, they've picked up two pretty big wins in a row. I know, obviously, Ohio State more so than Michigan, but not not a you know pushover by any means. So hopefully, hopefully it's a it's a positive trend. Let's call that our Big Ten audition. <laughs> no, save the tape. It might be no. So, so I, I, I don't. So I don't think your worry is misplaced at all. 
Um, like we just like we talked about before we started, this is one of the this is one of those games that I feel like UNC should win. I don't know that they do, and if they don't, it'll come back to bite us later in the season. Um, you know, so so we'll see. And and I I, I also do not um, believe in in Capel and. Even if they beat us, I still don't believe in him. It's just I, I think you were, <laughs> and I know that broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, you know, I know that's like you know, kind of callous to say, but you know, I, I we are our own worst enemy more than any other team is, right? So oh, it's not necessarily sure. like, how many times do we beat ourselves versus actually just getting beat outright by somebody else. Um, so yeah, so I'll, so that's where I stand with that. But yeah, no, I'm super. I don't know if concern is the right word because it just would not surprise me if we if we lost. But I would be you know as disappointed as I was um, any other loss that we had that we shouldn't have. But this is not a this is not a loss that we should experience. But I am prepared to experience it because it's UNC basketball. I think. Pitt's record probably looks a bit better than it should. Um, I also Which is feel, why we should not lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I also feel like, I don't know, I feel pretty decent about this game. I do feel like UNC's made some changes um, over the last few games that have been critical to them going on this win streak that they are currently on. Um, I just hope they maintain. I hope nobody else is hurt going into this game. Um, we don't need it any more surprises. Applies. Yeah, it was Will Shaver. Mm-hmm. His hand, his hands broken, right? Yes. Yeah. And look, I saw the photo. From, I saw the photo from Tar Heel Illustrated with somebody with a cast around their hand. I was like, "Who is that?" Yeah. Some someone broke their foot, and someone broke their hand. Yeah, I think Will Shaver broke his hand. I don't know who broke it. Oh, DeMarco Dunn. Yes. Yes. DeMarco Dunn broke his foot. Yes. Will Shaver broke his hand. Yeah. We need to stop breaking things. We need to stop. We absolutely need to stop. Um, Start giving, like, IV calcium or something. (laughs) Remember, we used to say that we need to put Roy in a bubble. We just need to put the men's basketball team in a bubble. Yeah. I don't want to even like put that energy out into the universe, but like there are ways that this could go off the rails in a very big hurry. So we we just like nobody's allowed to play Xbox. <laughs> they, if you just punch a door, if you just okay, Joel. <laughs> if you just got a PS Five, please restrain from playing NBA Two K right. and wilding out. We'll try to give you an NIL deal. We'll try to give you an NIL deal to keep you from playing your PlayStation until this season is over. (laughs) They are worth money now, all of the players. So it's just like you do have you have a little something to lose here. Like rip your pillow in half. Don't punch any hard objects. Yeah. Yeah. Who can I sign for like two hundred (laughs) bucks? Uh. I feel like Tanya is slowly drawing me to her, not necessarily pessimistic side, but I'm just like, I can see all the ways this could go wrong. 
kind of thing. You can't let her pull you in that direction, though. It's, it's, okay. it, look, it's what we've been doing this for like over a year now. <laughs> just... Explain this. It's not that I'm a pessimistic person. It's I just know, that I, I prepare myself for all of the worst outcomes so that anything better than that is a pleasant surprise. So I'm just setting a foundation for anything above doom. <laughs> and that's not pessimistic at all. No, I'm glad you understand. It's like, I don't know, would you call that pessimistic optimism? You- it's It's realistic optimism where it's like, you know, I'm hopeful, but I also understand the potential dangers. Well, and so the only reason I say that is now as I look at our matchups and stuff that we're doing, I'm like, okay, we should win, but <laughs> I didn't really have the but. <laughs> I didn't really have the but. I never really had the but before, and, or, and if I did, the but was not nearly as long as it is now. But now I'm just like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> the temperature is a degree lower. <laughs> what it is. <laughs> but here's the thing: a lot of the things that I fear. And a lot of the uh, sort of demons that I try to keep at bay are mostly like vibes and juju. So like as long as their vibes and juju are good, I think they'll be okay. Um, I worry more about that than like Jeff Capel coming out with some like insane defensive scheme that just like throws them off. I more just worry about like, are your vibes good today? Like, did everybody get a good night's sleep? Um, wake up on speaking the right side of the bed. This morning. Speaking of, and I know I was looking a little ahead, but you're talking about defensive schemes. I'm kind of having nightmares about having to play Syracuse. See, oh, you boy. are sounding like me. Yeah. You are sounding like you, me. Y'all, we've been doing this podcast too long together. <laughs> <laughs> I look because I was looking at because I know what Pitt beat Syracuse by like three points or so or uh, vice versa, and I was like, I'm just not looking forward to that game. No, I, you know, I, if there's a team in the ACC, I mean, there's, there's a couple of them. It's Louisville. <laughs> I think traditionally, that I just don't trust like other people trust. Syracuse is one of them. Like I, they, <sighs> but see, but see, Jim Beheim has the juju. He has children playing on his team that just so happened. To be <laughs> but he has the juju. Like it's, it's he is one of those things that like it doesn't matter how good you are. He's gonna walk in and like put his juju on the court and he's just winning off vibes. Yes, because they've been <laughs> glad you understand. Because they've been practicing that in the YMCA. Yeah. yeah. All I'm saying is he's, he's one of those factors that, you you can solve for because it's not it's not practice. You can't practice against the juju. And how have we traditionally how have we traditionally beat that zone? Um, getting the ball into the middle and shooting. From, well, that's one of them. The other way is by actually being able to shoot for threes, which we have not been able to do extremely well. Yeah. So yeah. you see the problem. I do see the problem. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, there's a triple team of Baycott coming, and you throw it, you kick it out to you know um, Love at half court who heaves up a shot, and we're done. <laughs> I'm gonna need to be medicated for that game. I have faith that our backcourt will at least shoot like thirty percent. We're gonna have to actually. We're gonna definitely have to improve yes. on our second chance points for that game. They just got done shooting thirty five percent. That was the exception, not the rule. They also shot like eleven <laughs> percent. I was about to say, don't we have like ten percent? There was an eleven percent. I think there was a thirteen percent. One thing averaging. Yeah, it just takes one. Through like the first four or five games, we said it right here on one of our podcasts. Like we were averaging fourteen percent from three. He's like, yeah. he's like, definitively they're going to shoot thirty percent. I didn't say definitively. Those are not the words that came out of my mouth. I said that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I don't I just, think that's what you said. You said you feel like they can shoot thirty percent. Feel like think. I'm working on vibes too. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> It just it just seems like that's one of those games where not only are we shooting sub twenty percent from three, but we're also turning it over two, and it's just like uh, that. Those are my nightmares for now. <sighs> Great times, <laughs> love to see it. On that very uplifting note, um, I think that's all we have for this one. Yeah. So I guess we will be back next week to discuss how the bowl game went. Uh, if there were any surprise changes to the football personnel after the bowl game and uh, find out what kind of post-Christmas, pre-New Year's vibes the basketball team had. Hopefully we end 2022 on a high note. Hopefully. Also, uh, Pat Narduzzi, stop giving out information that you don't actually have sources for, sir. <laughs> Oh, real quick, we do need to talk about that, though. Um, (laughs) Tell me why Mac Brown and Pat Narduzzi was trying to put Drake May on blast, and he had to come out and be like, I don't know these offers. I haven't met these offers. But WRAL sports fan or whatever that joint is called um, put out an article that, like, someone did pay him. Based on Pat's comments, they had they quoted because Pat went on whatever that radio station was and said that he he knew he knew not heard he knew there were two five million on offers of Drake. Um, so I didn't really get it. This was um, someone connected to UNC, and they had oh. like quotes. Oh, like some nil. Entity connected to the school paid Drake. Oh, heels for life. Yes. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't. So I didn't see that one, but they did have a one previously off uh, Pat's um, comments. But I do know that, and I either saw it yesterday or the day before yesterday, that heels for life did make a considerable, whatever you want to count that as, considerable. Um, uh, they did a considerable agreement with Drake to yeah. keep him, but yeah, five five million dollars. If he had turned down not one but two five million dollar offers, like, bro, I can be a Carolina fan from Auburn. Yeah, <laughs> I will wear 
Carolina blue under <laughs> my jersey from another. It's like those um really dumb Twitter questions where it's like, could you watch your least favorite movie for a million dollars? And it's like, yeah, I I, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Bro, I'd be like MJ with the UNC basketball shorts. Bro, right? it's like after every game, I'd pull up. I'd make sure everybody had a photo of me with a Carolina blue shirt <laughs> under my uniform. You know. No, that that's insane. Yeah, but that was that was a weird situation. I'm sure there was at least a shred of truth, even if it was just two teams wanted to offer it to him and they didn't. But it doesn't matter. He's he's staying, and we are all very happy for it. So, yes. Even though I don't know where we got out the offensive coordinator from, but you know whatever. Yeah. <laughs> It is unknowable. <laughs> I was like, we got who from where? We're just going to have to see how that goes, too. I'm sorry. Is it Lindsay? It is. Yeah. Tip Lindsay. I'm sorry, Coach Lindsay. And I'm even sorry, or Coach Clements. I've got to get used to these names. It's the... Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know this man. <laughs> <laughs> he could be walking down the street. Good times. Would you like to tell the people where they can find you? Um, you can find me at THB Brandon. You can find me at UNC underscore Tar Hill fan. And I am at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Until next time, go Heels. Go Heels. Go Heels.